It's Sunday morning, and we are coming out of the Christmas season. I wrote up on the board the stupidest, dumbest phrase that anybody has ever come up with. Merry Christmas. Mainly because of the definition of the two words. Merry is an old ancient word. Margie. M-B-R-G-E. It means to have fun, which means to be foolish, means to amuse oneself, to amuse. Now, amuse comes from the word muse. Muse means to mull over or think over, mull over or think about if you muse through a book you thumb through it and you kind of think about the things you're reading I muse the alpha privative just like in the Greek language I muse the alpha negates the word like atypical means not typical and the alpha primitive does the same thing as a negative particle in the Greek. So amuse means no thinking. No thinking. So whenever you say Merry Christmas, you're saying Merry Christmas, you're saying, I hope you have a foolish, no thinking Christmas. Now Christmas is Christ Mass. Christ Mass. The Mass is the focal point of Roman Catholicism. The Mass is eating the literal flesh and body of Jesus. When Jesus said in John the 6th chapter, He said, Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. The Roman Catholics took that, stuck their opinion in it, and said, we're going to have to do something to turn the body of Christ into, turn this cracker, and that's all it is. It's a wafer or a cracker, and we've got to turn it into the literal body of Christ. When they hold it up and say the words, hoc est, hoc est, corpus, that is the word corpse, corpus, U.S., eum, philae. The, the priests say that turns that into the literal body and blood of Christ. It was against God's law to eat human flesh and drink human blood. Eat flesh and drink blood was an ancient idiom. You'll find that idiom in the 39th chapter of Ezekiel. When Ezekiel is talking about the end of time, and he says God is going to destroy all these millions upon the earth, and he's going to call for the fowls of the air since they're not able to have enough funeral homes to bury all of them. 
he's going to call the fowls of the air to come. I have prepared a table for you with all these dead millions of dead bodies. Come and eat flesh and drink blood. This is your feast. We see the same thing in Revelation, the 19th chapter, when Christ comes back on a flying white horse. And when he comes back, he's going to have a vesture dipped in blood. And he's going to have the word of God upon his thigh. And he's going to be saying, I'm going to destroy all these people of the earth. And he tells the fowls of the air, come and eat flesh and drink blood. Eat flesh and drink blood's an old ancient idiom. That means to partake in a slaughter. So when Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, we partake in a slaughter when we eat flesh and drink blood because God said, my flesh is, my flesh, instead of putting is, let's put equals, okay? It's the same thing. My flesh equals meat, indeed, and my blood is equals drink, indeed. Well, all you do is define the word indeed to find out how we partake in a slaughter. Do we partake in a slaughter? The 8th chapter of Romans tells us we are lambs to the slaughter when we eat flesh and drink blood because we eat indeed. And that word indeed is the word alethes. And it means of truth. It is a form of the word truth a-L-E-T-H-E-I-A, Aletheia, and that it comes to the word lanthano, meaning to lie hid. That's a common word that means to conceal in the Greek, or not to reveal anything, conceal, or hide. When you place the alpha primitive, same way it is, in the English, amuse, in front of that word, it negates the word and gives an opposite meaning, and it translates truth. It means not to hide anything. So you partake in the slaughter as one of the daily lambs that dies daily. They had a lamb that they gave every day, twice a day. Twice a day, here's the temple. And here on this altar, just just right in front of the gate of Solomon's uh, porch, there's an altar here where they had it 6 o'clock in the morning, approximately 6, and 6 o'clock in the evening, or at sunup and sundown, they offered a lamb. And we're lambs to this daily slaughter when we take the cover off and not hide anything. And what I'm doing up here, 
I'm putting stuff on the board that will make me eat flesh and drink blood from the world's viewpoint when they want to persecute me for saying these things. So, Merry Christmas. The Mass is eating in from the standpoint of the Roman Catholics. The Mass is eating human flesh. And that's called cannibalism. So if you say Merry Christmas, you're saying, I have you, I hope you also have a no thinking, foolish cannibalism yourself. Now that's what you need to learn to say to people. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a foolish cannibalism in your life also. Because that's what Merry Christmas means. It's idiocy. And nobody's looking at that. And I get them those definitions out of Webster's New World Dictionary. I've done it. I did it one message some years ago. Christmas is ridiculous. Well, it is. That's very dumb to say Merry Christmas. It's, well, we hope you have a foolish dancing around eating human flesh. And you got some guy's leg in your mouth and you hold it by the heel. <laughs> it's dumb. It's stupid. Golly. Do you know I go around looking up words all the time. Besides this, all the world is doing it. There can't be anything wrong with it. What are you talking about? Look over here in Luke the 16th chapter. Luke 16. I'm just going to read you something here. I'm going to read you a couple of verses that need to learn where they are. Luke 16. It's about a man forgiving another man of a debt that he owes because he can't do anything else but forgive him. And he was an unjust steward. And his master come around and said, you haven't collected any debts. He said, he said, so he started being unhappy with him. He said, what I want you to do is go around and tell them to pay what they can for give them the rest. And that's what we need to do. You can't get blood out of a turnip. If somebody owes you and they can't pay you, leave them alone. You don't say, I'll get you, I'll strangle you, you'll give to me or you'll die. We're not supposed to do that or be being taking people to court. And then this man is very humble. And then look at verse 14. And the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided Jesus because of this. They made fun of him and said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. Abomination. B-D-E-L-U-G-M-A. 
No, it's not B-E-D. It's B-D, excuse me. B-D-E-L-U-G-M-A. Abomination means to stink. And Christmas is certainly popular among the world. I read that article that I wrote on it over here. It's This is what's wrong with Christmas. The gangster likes it. The harlot likes it. The prostitute likes it. The bank robber likes it. Teenagers like it. Drug dealers like it. Everybody likes it. It's But it's an abomination because the world likes it. Isn't it? Now, let me give you something. Huh? Preachers like it. Preachers like it. That's right. And they want to be identified with all these prostitutes and gangsters and bank robbers and drug dealers. And they are. Now look over here in Exodus 23. Exodus, the 23rd chapter. All right. I'll be there in a minute. Just wait for me. Let's read in the first verse. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Christmas is a false report. The word report is rumor. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Don't stand with the wicked and say Christmas is is okay. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. The whole world is doing Christmas. We had one lady come here, and she was working in Thailand, and she said the in Bangkok, she said, is Christmas 24 hours a day around the clock, and they're not even talking about Jesus over there. They're just having Christmas all the time. And you're not supposed to follow a multitude to do evil. Well, little Johnny said he was going to jump off the cliff. Well, if little Johnny jumps off the cliff, are you going to jump off? Well, all the preachers are doing it. John MacArthur said it's okay. John MacArthur, when it comes to Christmas, is ignorant. He's unlearned about it. Oh, he knows about it. He says, we know that we're going to we know that Mithra's birthday was the 25th, the chief sun god of Babylon, of Rome, and we know about the feast of Saturn. But, what do you mean, but, or however? I've heard him say that, however, we're going to use this season to glorify God. It was an ancient orgy in the ancient world, for seven days, they had an orgy. They had a head of the orgy, and this man was killed at the end of it. And they had the most debaucherous, lascivious acts of sexual perversion acts during this time in the streets, in the houses. It was so bad, most of the guys that write about it says we can't describe it. Do you think Jesus wants his name on an orgy? No. Not on your life, John MacArthur. John's been a disappointment to me. He believes a lot about predestination, but he don't believe all of it. And he knows that Christmas is pagan. 
He knows that baptism is not dipping men in water. I've heard him say that. My ears have heard him say, if we baptize people the way we should, we'd put them under the water and we wouldn't let them up. That's what he said. I heard him. He used to have a tape of it where he was saying that. John has been a great disappointment to me. And we didn't, we don't follow multitude to evil, neither shall thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest means to twist judgment. That Christmas is twisting the judgment of God. Neither shall thou countenance a poor man in this. You're not supposed to oppress any poor people. Now, go over here to to Deuteronomy I'm going to read two of my favorite verses Deuteronomy the fourth chapter these are two of my favorite verses during Christmas hope you can understand Next time somebody says Merry Christmas, say, I'm not a cannibal, are you? And they're not going to know what you're talking about. I don't believe in eating dead bodies. Do you believe in eating them? Say anything you want to to them. The mass is eating human flesh. Now here in Deuteronomy 4. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and to the judgments would I teach you for to do them. I want you to do my statutes and my judgments that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord thy God of your fathers giveth you. Deuteronomy is right before they go across the land coming out of 40 years in the wilderness. You shall not add unto the word of God. Add is the word Yasaf. Y-A-C-A-P-H. It means exactly that. Don't add anything to the Word of God. Christmas is adding. Which I command you, neither shall you diminish. Garah. Shave off. When God says, I want you to do it this way, don't take any of my word, any of my thou shalt nots away. Don't shave any of my word off. That you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Go to the 12th chapter of this book. Chapter 12. Right before they go into the land, he says, when you go into the land, here you are. You're going in. This is Israel right here. Here's the Mediterranean Sea. Here's Egypt down here. This is the Sinai Peninsula here. Mount Sinai's down here in the bottom part of that. Here's the Red Sea that they crossed, came into the Sinai Peninsula, wandered around for 40 years. And just before they cross the Jordan River, just above the Dead Sea, Here's the Sea of Galilee up here. I put these on the board so you can see what's going on. Right before they cross to go in to, to take the land, that would be the book of Joshua 
and judges. Right before they cross is the book of Deuteronomy. They're right at the end of the 40 years. So that's where they are right here. And he's warning them, when you go in, don't partake of the people's gods and what they do. He doesn't even say, don't worship their gods. God doesn't have to tell Israel that. They knew who God was. They knew it was Jehovah. So he says, <clears throat> verse 29, When the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, when you go in, there's going to be Hittites and Perizzites and Jebusites. All these ites will be in the land. <clears throat> Whether thou goest to possess them. This land was given to Abraham. This land of Israel was given to Abraham back here around 2100 B.C. Given to Abraham. They're going into the land after 400 years in Egypt. 400 years after the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're going to the land. It's around 1400 B.C. So that's approximate. This was about 700 years earlier that the land was given to Abraham. You go in and possess the land... And you watch out for the pagans that are in there. Because if you marry them, your wives will stay home and teach the children paganism. When the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, where you're going to possess them, and you succeed them in the land as the occupants of the land, and dwell in their land, which is actually yours, it was given to Abraham. Take heed to thyself, thou, thou be not snared. It means to be caught in a noose or a trap. That you be not snared by following these people after that they be destroyed from before thee. Now that's an amazing statement. Because when they came into the land in Judges, the second chapter, they, did, they refused to drive the people out of the land. They married them. Great day in the morning, Israel. But when they destroyed before thee, and thou inquire not after their little gods. You little notice it's little G-O-D-S. And it, don't you inquire, don't you ask this question. How did these nations serve their gods? What rituals did they use? Did they set up a tree? Uh, did they put baubles on it and hangings on it? The Bible said that the grove had hangings on it that was representative of the fruit in the garden of Eden and that you don't ask how did they serve their gods even so will I do likewise if you find out how they did it and say we're going to celebrate by putting up a tree and by having noise makers and partying and doing what they did in the middle of winter to keep the dark from depressing us 
Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God for every stinking smell, abomination to the Lord which he hateth, have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. What things soever I command you, observe to do it, thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. There's that word, Yasaf and Gara again. Don't add anything to the word of God. And Christmas is adding to the word of God. That's what it is. Now, let's go over to, to Proverbs 30. And if you're not careful, this is what you'll end up being. If you add to the word of God, you say, Jim, what if you make a mistake or, or you're not sure of something? Don't preach it if you're not really sure. And tell people, I don't know if I'm right on this or not. Well, you don't apologize for predestination and Christmas being pagan. But sometimes if you haven't studied something long enough, you may not have it down. Now let's get here to Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. And look here in verse 5. Every word of God is pure. It's pure. If something's pure, if you add something to it, you're making it dirty. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add, there's that word y'all saw, add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found to be an out and out liar. I put out and out. Because that's what you are if you're adding Christmas to the Word of God. I keep telling you that Christmas was the worship of the tree gods of the Old Testament and the sun gods. I've told you that the that the Christmas tree we find that in Jeremiah 10 where God says the customs of the people are vain one cuts a tree out of the forest the work of the hands of the workmen and they said they deck it with silver and with gold they always worship Venus in the form of a triangle. This is what under Ashtaroth. Ashtaroth is your generic term for all the female deities. Female comes from Aster, A S T A R, or S T E R, which is the word star in the Greek. And Mr. Layard says, since they worship these gods, Jupiter and Venus, and the list goes on and on. In the stars, he said, they put a star on top of it. Now, in the McClinican Strong, the Bible tells us they put it on a platform because it can't move on its own. It had to be born everywhere it went. Now, the in the Ashtaroth section or Ashtart A S T A R T E 
or grove. Grove is the word I-S-H-T-A-R. And we get the word Easter from that, and that was a that, that was a spring goddess in the English world and Great Britain and England and the and that area. That was Easter was a spring goddess. Well this triangle, the writer of the McClinican Strong under Ashtaroth says this was the phallus the female phallus you had a male phallus which was the genitals of the female this was called the pubic triangle now if you've got one of these around you and you put that up what you're doing is you're putting up the genitalia of the ancient world they they worshipped sex it was all about fertility. And God was, our God was the fertility God. Wasn't he? He said in Deuteronomy 28, you want to know about fertility? I'll tell you about fertility. I will be your God. You will be my people. Your children, which will be born of a sexual action between the man and the woman, your children will all be healthy. You'll you'll have crops that will just run over at your your out in your fields i'll bless your fields i'll bless your storehouses that all has to do with fertility well they took this literally in the ancient world among the pagans and worshiped the phallus that's where the necktie comes from that's where the steeples on churches come from Everywhere you find this, if you really want to live right and do right, get rid of all of that. I don't want this around me at all. And the pagans said the the tree was the giver of all divine gifts to man. This was the divine gifts. And the reason they... That's why the gifts were under the tree. Got them all under the tree. And the Bible tells us what those divine gifts are. All that's in the world. It's the lust of the flesh. That would include all sexual desires, wouldn't it? Certainly would. It would include lust, epithumia, Epithumia is the word, common word for lust. And it doesn't just have to do with sex. It has to do with wanting things and stuff. It reminds me of the word porne. When the Bible says Babylon is the mother of all harlotry, the word harlotry is porne. Harlotry, porne. It, it's we get our word porn from that, but porn doesn't mean just to look at naked men and women. It means idolatry, 
But that has to do with looking at naked men and women. But it also has to do with looking at new cars that you can't afford or houses you can't afford or diamond rings you can't afford. Idolatry. Idolatry is the word E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A and it is a form of Ido and Latruo. And Ido means to see and Latruo means to serve. It means to serve what you put into your eyes and ear and what you see. That's idolatry, and that includes naked men and women and cars and houses and things and stuff. The older I get, the less things I want. I just don't care anymore. At 80, I could care less about a new car. I drive a 20-year-old car that's got 127,000 miles on it, and it runs like a top. Why do I need a new car to show off? And then come up here and say... Death to self and death to cross and self-denial. And have you seen my new car lately? <coughs> it's like cars are, to me, are forgetting from this point to this point over here. They're not for anything else other than hauling tapes around so I can give them out to people. They're not any good for anything except moving from one place to the other. Now, maybe you think they are, but that's because you're still young. <laughs> <laughs> They're not really worth anything. In reality, they owe you. They do. They do if you spend enough money on them. I don't like buying cars. Just don't like it at all. So, this is what idolatry is serving, what you see. Ecclesiastes 1 and 8. You say, how do I know if I'm putting too many things in my eyes? Well, Ecclesiastes 1.8 says, All things are full of labor. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The mouth will not simply utter it. Your body will labor to what you put into your eyes and your ears. Besides that, if you start telling everybody about predestination, how pagan Christmas is, they're already not going to like you and ain't no need trying to impress them with a new car or a diamond ring. They're not going to say, well, we hate your predestination, your Christmas is pagan message, but we like your car. They're not going to do that. Once you, once you set your boundary lines, people are not going to like you. It's the way it is. Deal with it. I'll tell you what this does. This does something I had never knew in my life when I was young. It makes you free. I'm free. I can say anything to anybody. I don't say things to offend people intentionally. But I'll tell anybody about Christmas. I'll tell anybody about predestination. I'll tell you what upsets them more than that. Talk to them about something they can't deny. Death to self. Daily cross. Self-denial. Being hated by the world. And I'll give you verses on those you can quote to them. And they're not going to know what to do with that. Give him, give him the verse over there in Luke. 
uh, in Luke where the Bible says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Give him the verse over there in Luke fourteen twenty seven. He that beareth not his cross and follow after me cannot be my disciple. Tell him, you can't go to heaven when you die without a daily cross. What do you think of that? They'll go. They don't know what to do or how to look. Now, one other verse on this idolatry. When the Bible says over there in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, covetousness is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. Covetousness pleonectes. It means to want more. Oh gosh, has anybody ever wanted more? However you could get it? How sneaky you could get it? Want more? If you could just do, abuse your body and work three jobs to get that car, I'll do anything. I'd kill for that. I'd kill to get her. Whew. Has anybody ever been there? Man. Y'all realize we've all been idolaters and what God is doing. What that is is that outer man that serves the law of the flesh. Paul talks about that in Romans 7. That outer man. He said put on the inner man in Colossians the third chapter. Put on the inner man in Ephesians the fourth chapter. Ephesians in Second Corinthians the fourth chapter, the Bible keeps talking about that inner man and that outer man. And the outer man serves the flesh. The outer man is covetous, is an idolater, and it takes God years. you got to get old to get rid of that man. Because we all got some of that flesh in us. And there's an inner man which is Christ in you. And he's the one that will get rid of that. Well, this is a simple message when it gets down to it. Now, did I read I read this here. Look at verse six and seven. Add thou not unto his words lest God rebukes you and you're found you're found in the light of God's word to be the liar that you are. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Get me away from lying people. Give me neither poverty nor riches. I don't want either one, Lord. Feed me with food that is that is convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny you. Call you a liar. Just, if you get too much, you've got too much. If you get anything that takes your attention away from God, you should get rid of it. Well, I got this nice house. House will sell it if you, all you want to do is brag on it and fix it up and do nothing but look out for you. Get rid of it. And... 
lest I be full and deny thee who is the Lord, or lest I be poor and steal, and take the name of my God in vain. See, taking the name of the Lord in vain doesn't mean to say blankety-blank. It means to call yourself a Christian and take the shem, the authority of God upon your life, and say, I'm a Christian, and you're living and adding to the Word of God. And do I believe everybody that believes in Christmas is going to hell? No, I don't believe that. I believe they're living in a world of imagination, and God won't let them stay there without hurting them. He'll... You say, what about somebody like MacArthur? Let me show you something over here in in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. This this is talking about believers. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. Look at verse 9. For we are laborers together with God... You're God's husbandry. Husbandry. Husband is the word Georgios. G-E-G-O-R-I-O-S. Georgios. It's our word, George. If you name your kid George, that's a good word. George. It comes from gay and ergon. Ergon means to toil, and gay is the word soil. It means a tiller of the soil. So we are the ones that God tills up our lives and plants himself in it. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. I could go into this word buildeth and foundation. It would take me too long. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Remember the word build is the word oiko. Let me erase some of this. Build. Does anybody remember the word Build. O-I-K-O-D-O-M-E-O. That's the word build. Build, oikodomeo, is a construction of oikos. Let me move this out of the way. Oikos and dome. D-O-M-E. Dome looks like dome, and it is. But it was the Jewish word roof. When they finished the roof... They have built the house. Uh, Dome. D-O-M-A. Roof. Oikos is the word house or family. Now what are we supposed to build with? Do anybody remember what we build with? This uh, house. That's right. Who said that? Dave said that. That's exactly right. Charity. This word build is also the word is also the word edify. So when you get the word edify, don't do like I did when I was young. 
teenager and say, I got to get to a more important word. That's a really important word. Edify and build are the basic same word. Upon this rock I will build. The Bible says charity, which is the same word as agape, charity edifieth God. In 1 Corinthians 8 and 1, edifieth charity is agape. So we're supposed to build with agape, aren't we? And what is agape? Walking after his commandments. Agape, the Bible says this is agape, Second John 6. This is agape that we walk after. It says this is love, but the word is agape. We walk after his commandments. That's what builds the house of God. And this is talking about building the house. Let's read it. So walking after the commandments of God is the only thing that will build up God's house. And Christ is the son of his own house. Whose house are we? We're the house of God. He lives in us. And he has to be built up in us. Now let's keep reading here. Because I'm going to show you Whenever I'm saying you don't have to quit celebrating Christmas to go to heaven, but you're, gonna, you're not going to get much reward for that. I know there's a lot of people in America that don't know the truth about Christmas or Christ's Mass. But if you find out, you got to do something with it. Now, for look at verse 11. No, let's read verse 10. According to the race of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Remember the word foundation is the word tithemi, T-I-T-H-E-M-I. It's a word that comes from, it means to level out or lay out like a foundation. And another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he builds the house of God. Oiko domeo. Watch out what you do. You might be doing something that has no reward in it. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon the foundation, what are we supposed to build on? Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. If we build on that foundation, it can be precious on this earth like gold or silver. Or it can be something common like wood and stubble, some edifice, some building. Every man's work shall be made manifest. It'll be shown. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. All of this is going to burn one day. And the only thing that you've done, there's an old saying I heard preachers say years ago, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Nothing else will last. Not cars, not houses, not lands, nothing. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. I said... I believe this is kind of like John MacArthur. 
I cared about John for years. I really loved the man. I believe he's dabbling with apostasy in this Christmas thing. And he mixes kind of free will sometimes with predestination. He said in one tape I had, how does free will and predestination walk hand in hand? I don't know, but it does. It does not. If any man's work abide, he shall, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. Well, if you build on agape, walk in the commandments of God. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. And his work shall be burned. This is saying you're living an empty life as a believer if you're not building on agape, walking in the commandments of God. You're wasting your time, and God's going to deal with you until you come out of that error that you're in. Now, I just stopped and gave that to you. I've been telling you, I'm going to start through this. And it might take me several weeks to go through it. I've been telling you that Christmas is paganism. I've been telling you how Israel, Israel was involved in paganism. Israel had, I said this last week, Israel had been divided into two nations, northern Israel, And that was also, it had several titles. Northern Israel or Samaria. Samaria was originally a town in northern Israel. And they got to call them the whole system. I wonder if there's a clanks here. Oh, there's one. Take that one. Uh, Northern Israel, I said last week, was divided because of Solomon's Solomon's apostasy. Solomon was as good a man as there was upon the earth, but he got apostate. He was chosen by Samuel to be the king of Israel. Excuse me, not Samuel by Nathan, the prophet, to be the king of Israel. He was chosen by Nathan. That's a prophet of God. And to be the king of Israel. And he received a commission from God in 1 Kings, the third chapter, to build the temple. Solomon's temple is what we call it. And then in, he recruited... Uh, these lumberjacks out of what we call Lebanon he recruited them to ship in those trees of Lebanon and and they came in to build the temple and then in 1 Kings the ninth chapter he finishes the temple This the reason David wasn't allowed to build the temple God said you are a bloody man and I'm not going to let you build it I'm going to have your son to build it 
So Solomon, being the son of David, built the temple. He finished the temple in 1 Kings, the ninth chapter. And the most amazing thing happened when you get to 1 Kings, the 11th chapter, Solomon marries all of these foreign women. The Bible calls them strange. Nakri is the word. N-I-K-R-I-Y. N-A-K-R-I-Y. Nakri. And they were strange, but it means foreign. Being foreign women, all of them had all of these sun and tree gods. And Solomon married 700 of these foreign women, seven hundred wives, and 300 concubines. That's a secondary wife. And as a secondary wife, they could bear children. So Solomon can have all of these women. And all of them wasn't ugly. You can believe that. And he said, he wrote... The Song of Solomon, when he was young, it's a love story between Christ and the church. Did you know that it wasn't allowed for children to read the Song of Solomon or to be read in their presence during among the Hebrews? Because it's very specific. And then Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs in his middle age. And then, when he was an old man, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Whew. Boy, he lays life out there the way it is. He said, I've gotten everything I ever wanted. All the gold I wanted. All the women I wanted. I had everything I wanted. Pools of waters, made singers, men, made dancers, men singers. All the wealth in the world. And he said it was vanity and vexation of spirit. The word vexation means to grab for the wind. He said, I was grabbing for the wind. When you get old in this life, I, I told Mary one day here recently, I said, I feel like I've wasted so many years in the music business, wasted years in 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 real estate just wasted she said well if you hadn't have gone through that you wouldn't be who you are today you got to come to a place where you reassess your life and you regret you have to regret the only way you can repent is regret I read this last night to Ben and Holly but I want you to look at this Look over here at Jeremiah 31. I'm going to give you the best definition I ever found in the Bible for repentance. Jeremiah 31. I love reading this, given the definition for it. Because it tells you what repent means. And you have to do this. Except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. And this is something people don't like to do. Because they have to come off of their pride to do this. 
Now, when this was written by Jeremiah, this was around 606 B.C. 606. Now, so this is Jeremiah's preaching to southern Judah. He's the last prophet that preaches to Israel. When he preaches to them, after he is through in 586 B.C., Israel goes down. And they go down because they were involved in this sudden tree worship. This is about 606, and Israel falls at the hand of Babylon in 586 B.C. That may not seem important to you. That's the end of Israel in the Old Testament. No more Israel. It's done. That is something else, isn't it? And in 722 B.C., that is when northern Israel, or the ten northern tribes, or Samaria was carried away by the Assyrians. Another title for northern Israel besides Samaria and northern Israel was Joseph and Ephraim. These four titles were commonly used to denote, let's get Assyria out of the middle of that, were used to denote northern Israel. And they were called the ten lost tribes the one that was ruling the ten lost tribes was Ephraim the second born son of Joseph when the Bible refers to Jacob long after all these people are dead Jacob means all twelve tribes southern Israel was called Judah it was called that after the tribe of Judah and God added Benjamin to that and that was southern Israel. And the first time Israel gets just super involved in this system was in the 16th chapter of 1 Kings. 1 Kings 16, and that's where I'm going to take you to. 1 Kings 16. And... 1 Kings 11 is where Solomon marries all those 700 wives and 300 concubines. He goes off the wall when he does that. He's not that kind of a man. But that's how bad Christians can act. The 16th chapter is when Ahab who's the king of Israel at this point, goes north of Israel and marries this woman named Jezebel. It seemed somewhat convenient for him to do that because she was just over the county line. She was just very convenient. If this is Israel here, up here in northern Israel, 
in northern Israel up here there was a Mount Carmel up here it's not on this map there's a Mount Carmel and that's where Ahab's palace his vacationing palace was up here right over the border here is Tyre or Sidon that's where Ethbaal was and he was a worshiper of Baal and the grove Baal grove and and this McClinican Strong tells us the Baal of Tyre was Hercules and Hercules birthday was December the 25th as well as all those other sun gods now Ahab brings somehow one night at some party he sees this real hot chick named Jezebel and she's the queen uh, she's the princess of this king over there in Tyre and Sidon well, he says man she's hot and I like her he ends up bringing her into Israel and marrying her and she brings her father's gods down with her and that happens in the 16th chapter of First Kings let's look at that oh wait a minute I haven't given you repent I gotta give you repent I love this definition this is the best definition of repentance I believe you can find in the Bible except you repent you'll perish I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself that's the ten northern tribes at this point in 606 Ephraim has already been carried away into Assyria thou, shalt, thou hast chastised me and I was chastised as a bullock God he Ephraim is saying God chastised me as a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke if you don't know what the yoke of a kingdom was the yoke of a kingdom was the laws of a kingdom he said I was unaccustomed to being obedient to God Ephraim is where I got it right here this is Ephraim here on the right hand side of this of this chart this is Ephraim Ephraim was a nation it was given to the second born son of Noah no, I'll get it right in a minute second born son of Joseph in the 48th chapter of Genesis but if you'll notice Ahab is in he's the king of northern Israel or Ephraim or Samaria whatever you want to call it and Ahab was the cause of Jezebel's gods or the Christmas coming down into Israel how do you know that's Christmas well I've said it before when when the Caesars were trying to save the empire what they were doing I'll get it here in a minute I need to have something where I can go to here it is the Caesars were trying to save the empire well this ain't it no 
they were getting they were going to be overrun by these Ostrogoths, Visigoths, uh, the Goths, the Huns, the Vandals, the all of these tribes that were under, that were not under the rule of the Roman Empire. The Caesars thought they were going to overrun the empire. So Constantine in three twelve AD brought in into the church. He said, I've got to stop these people from doing what they're doing and then I've got to I've got to control the Christians. They're getting out of hand. So I'll pull these people's gods, which they they were sun and tree gods, because we know there's no other God beside Jehovah God. And all the other gods come out of Babylon and were founded on let us make us a name. Let us make us a name. And that is all idolatry comes at. So it, these were the same gods that Israel was worshiping while they were a nation that Solomon kind of introduced it and Ahab brought it in and caused Israel to be worshiping these sun and tree gods permanently and that's why God destroyed Israel and scattered them all over the earth because they were all one and the same so when Constantine brings us into the church and calls it Christmas it's the same thing as Baal and the grove and all the gods that I say Baal and the grove that's putting it simple they were worshiping thousands of gods of all the nations around them. They had thousands of gods in Egypt and they embraced everything that Egypt had. I don't know how they got to all of it. But Jeremiah said they had a god on every street. Whew. And we think that's okay. We think this is some kind of old fairy tale on the Mediterranean. It's not a fairy tale, it's history. The reason they're over there fighting in Israel right now over that land is because of what I'm talking about here. Do you understand that? Is that important? It's all important. That's why they've come back and they've come back for the end of time. It's not far away. God's going to end this thing before too long. I may be dead, but I may still be here. Some of these young people probably will be will see the end of all these things. And it's not going to be pretty either. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse and worse. Now let's go over here. Let's finish reading this. So Ephraim bemoans himself and says, he's unaccustomed to following the obedience, the yoke that he was unaccustomed to, let me put it this way. Northern Israel, the twelve, the ten northern tribes, was unaccustomed to being obedient to God, the yoke. That's what it's actually saying. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned. For turn, metanoia, and the Greek is the word Repent. Metanoia, to be turned. Whenever I say repent means to be turned because you can't turn yourself knowing there's none that seeketh after God. Nobody can repent without God causing you to do it. 
the goodness of God leads you to repentance in Romans the second chapter. It's only good to you because God will put enough fire in your life and cause you to turn around and look at him and say, Save me, Lord, or I perish. He can make you repent. I love what Spurgeon said. He said there was, he said a man, God will call on a man. The man said, I will not repent. God says, yes, you will. You say, I will not. He says, yes, you will repent. Then God puts him through so much fire that one day the man cries out, God save me or I perish. And God says, I knew I could make you say that. That's the way God does it. His way. But you can't get there without fire. Now look at what he says happens when you repent. Surely after that I was turned by God, I repented. Now psalm is the word repent. It means to sigh and breathe deep and be sorry. And after that I was instructed when you repent, you'll start wanting to know the truth about the Word of God. You'll want instruction. you listen to an instructor. I smote my thigh. That's a very interesting thing. They would lay their hand upon their thigh, upon their testicles. The word testify comes from the word testicle. You see in a movie, a mafia movie, the guys say, I swear upon my children. That comes out of the ancient world. When Abraham called Eliezer and said, I want you to go to this foreign land and get my son a believing wife from the land of Haran. Don't you get him a wife among these heathens here in Canaan. Swear to me. Place your hand upon my thigh and swear. So what he's saying here, when you really repent, may take you some time, but you'll swear allegiance to God. I smote my thigh. I was ashamed. If you're not ashamed the way you've lived, there's something wrong with your life. You're not in a state of repentance. I was ashamed. I was even confounded Kalam K-A-L-A-M I was insulted by God God insulted me said you've been a sinner I was insulted and reproached made infamous and I did bear the reproach of my youth. The word reproach is kirpah, C-H-E-R-P-A-H. Kirpah means to take the blame. I took, if you hadn't taken the blame and you haven't been instructed, you don't want to be instructed, you haven't sworn an allegiance to God, God's got some more work to do on you. Now let's go over there. And I want to take you, this may take me several weeks to get through this. This is where Christmas came into Israel. First Kings, the 16th chapter.
You have to know it's the same system that Constantine brought on the church. There's no other gods out there besides the fire and the tree gods. They'd rename them. They'd call some of them gods of war, gods of this, gods of that. But they're all the same thing. And it all started in Babylon under let us make us a name. Let us make up our own doctrine. Now look here in First Kings. And this is going to start us on a journey of Israel. Getting involved in the fire and tree worship through Jezebel and she is one of the wickedest women that ever lived Jezebel wasn't wicked because she wore lipstick and makeup it's not why she was wicked she's wicked for doing this to Israel and the woman was a murderer she killed a lot of the prophets of God not just Naboth that's one innocent man that believed God she murdered but she killed many of the prophets. She brought sun and tree worship or Christmas into Israel. And that's the very... Jezebel is the most wicked woman that lived from Genesis to Matthew. She corrupted all of Israel with her father's gods. And it was the Christmas system. There's nothing in the world has been more evil than Christmas. It's the very it's the very thing from Adam unto the birth of Israel under Jacob. It's the very thing that God was teaching and look forward to, and then all the time they're a nation that go after these other gods fire and tree gods which was the same thing as Christ mass so God says I'll just take I'll take 2600 years have you scattered all over the earth or have you slaughtered by the millions you think if he slaughtered them by the millions because of the corruption of Jezebel and Israel he wants us to do that it's my mind is going going here and there going, I want to go to a hundred different things I'm trying to stay on this subject how much time do I have Eric? Eric I don't mean Eric he don't know he's sitting back there in the back Mike huh? we'll start off and just start with Jezebel when you go back I'm not going to go through the 15th chapter if you go to the 15th chapter, I'll just kind of show you this from this chart. The 15th chapter takes you back to Nadab all the way down to Ahab. Here's Ahab here. Takes you all the way to here. And this is where he marries Jezebel. And these are dates, approximate dates of it. Now Ahab's nemesis his opponent I wrote out here at the edge Elijah that was the guy that he was after Ahab and he was after Ahab and Jezebel and he was their curse and Elijah was there wasn't a greater than Elijah and John the Baptist they were one is the shadow of the other 
won't go into that right now. Let's read here in I don't know exactly where to start. Start reading in verse 25 of chapter 16. But Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all that were before him. Omri was an evil, wicked king of northern Israel. You can see him over there. Omri. I'm going to skip these guys. You can read the 15th chapter and catch them in there and see how wicked they were. We're starting with Omri when we go down to Ahab. <coughs> Omri was the father of Ahab. Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord and did that and did worse than all that were before him. He was the worst of the worst at that point, but he didn't end up being the worst of the worst. A believing king later on became a believer. Manasseh was the worst of the worst, and he, was, he ended up being a believer. For he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. What a, every time you want to see how evil Jeroboam was who brought the golden calf in Israel, like I brought out last week, it'll always say he worked more evil than Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. That was the greatest insult in the world to say that. Now, what verse was I in? 26. All right. He worked all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, in his sin wherewith he made Israel to sin, to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities, the gods that they worshipped. Now the rest of the acts of Omri, which he did in his might that he showed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Omri slept with his fathers. He died and was buried in northern Israel, Samaria. Well, that's where he's from. And Ahab his son reigned in his stead. Enter the dragon. <laughs> Boy, he is going to be one character. And in the 30 and 8th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri began to reign over Israel. This was in the year of Asa. He starts ruling when Asa's king of southern Judah. They'll be telling you that along the way. All right. And Armu slept with his fathers, and Ahab his son ruled in his stead. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, always pay attention to that and look at maps and look at these charts. I gave you a chart on these guys. Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel, and Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. Boy, he does a lot of evil in that time. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that was before him, even his father Omri. 
And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, which was bringing golden calf into Israel. I don't need to go through that again. I started to say why. In the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife. Put boop, boop, boop. Boy, this needs to be in bright lights. He took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel. Ethbel means with Baal. He was the prince of Tyre. King of the Zidonians went and served Baal. This is Ahab that's going to serve Baal and worship him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in northern Israel. He's going to make Baal, the chief god, remove Jehovah from the throne. He's going to establish Christmas in Israel. And God's going to say, I don't like that. I'm going to destroy you for this. Which he built in Samaria, and they have made a grove, Asherah, tree goddess. There in Jeremiah 10. Isaiah 44, tree god. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. God is in a rage with Ahab. And in his days did heal the Bethelite, build Jericho. He laid the foundation and thereof and Abiram his firstborn set up his gates thereof, and his youngest son Sigub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua the son of Nun. And now, this is the most horrifying thing that was done in Israel. He let his wife turn his head away. He starts worshiping Baal and builds temples for Baal in the grove in northern Israel in Samaria. And they begin to worship. And at that time, the Levites, the priests of God, says, we can't handle this. And they head for southern Judah. We're not going to put up with this. And God says, I got a man over here. I got to bring out of here. His name is Elijah. And Elijah, we don't know what he was. We know he's a Tishbite. A Tishbite, some men think, was an Arab. He was a Tishbite. And Elijah comes to the temple of, or to the throne of Ahab and says, Ahab, the first judgment of God was famine. God had ways of bringing that. He said, you have made Baal in the grove the national god and goddess of Israel. You, it, it wasn't Roman Catholicism yet, but you've made Roman Catholicism the national god and goddess of Israel. It's what you've done. And Elijah said, there'll be no rain for three and a half years. Not even dew on the ground. What do you think of that? I'm out of here. He was gone when hid in a cave. This is in the next chapter. And God's coming after 
Jezebel. The woman is wicked to the core. She had a daughter that was just as bad as she would. I called her the daughter from hell. She was that. Athaliah was her name. This is the method. Now you notice. You notice here that only northern Israel is corrupt with this. Only the ten northern tribes. How is it going to enter into southern Judah? Through their hell-bent daughter, Athaliah. She's going to get it in there. If you'll notice, if you can see this, this chart here, this is this this is the United Kingdom. Saul, David, Solomon. Saul's from the tribe of Benjamin. David is the true king. He's the tri the lion. He's of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the lion of Judah. So David, Solomon, and then Solomon's son is Rehoboam. His son is Abijah. His son is Asa. His son is Josephat. His son is Jehoram. This is where things get out of hand. Jehoshaphat and Jehoram. It gets crazy there. I mean, crazy. When you have... Jehoshaphat is a wonderful... I kind of titled this message Christmas by Wrong Association. The Bible says evil communications corrupt good morals in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. If you communicate with the wrong people, you know why all of this came about? Bad communications. Here was Ahab in northern Israel and just so happened that Tyre is right above that and he meets her at some gathering some night and I want this woman. I don't care who her gods are. I don't care what she worships. I don't care if she's a Catholic or a Baptist or a Buddhist. I want her. How's that for covetousness is idolatry? It was evil associations. Well, that's how that's how Athaliah is going to get the gods of her mother into southern Judah. You got Jehoshaphat. Now his father was Asa. Asa was a good man until he got old. He got kind of honorary. He did some really good things in early part of his life. There were only three completely righteous kings in all the kings of Israel. Does anybody remember them? David was one. David. Who else? Josiah. Josiah was the other. He followed the Lord after the law more than any king before him. And who else? Hezekiah was his great-grandfather. Hezekiah was stronger in faith than any king before him. Hezekiah was a partner, more or less, of Isaiah. 
him and Isaiah were best friends. Isaiah was the prophet in Israel when Hezekiah was the king. That's when, when, when northern Israel was carried away by the Assyrians, by the Assyrians, by Sennacherib, F-C-H. Sennacherib. When Sennacherib came in to conquer northern Israel, he said, while I'm at it, I'll go down here and take southern Judah. But southern Judah wasn't under the condemnation of God yet. And guess who was the king of southern Judah at that time? You can find this in the 18th, 19th chapter of 2 Kings. The commander of Israel was Hezekiah. And guess who his prophet was at that time? Isaiah. There's two people you don't attack in the Old Testament. That's Isaiah and Hezekiah. They were the righteousness of God. And Sennacherib says, I'll take my army down there and I'll conquer them. As long as I'm conquering northern Israel, this was in 722 B.C. God says, oh, no, you're not. And he goes down and surrounds Jerusalem. Jerusalem is just a little sleepy town with an easy king, Hezekiah, and a godly prophet, Isaiah. And Hezekiah gets, what are we going to do? The entire Assyrian army is out at our gates, and what are we going to do? He said, I'll go to Isaiah and ask him. What are we going to do, Isaiah? Isaiah goes and prays a little short prayer to God and says, Hezekiah, you can go home and go to bed now. Everything's taken care of. And that night, Israel went to sleep. And the next morning, Michael, the death angel, had come down through the camp of the Assyrians and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers that night. And Sennacherib got up the next morning and went, Oh my God, what am I going to do? My army's dead! He took off back home and he was killed by his family. You can't come up against the preacher of God and especially these two men because God will fight for them. Now, where was I? Huh? All right. First Kings 16. We've read this. Elijah pronounces no rain in Israel. And, and, and that woman, Jezebel, after three and a half years, that goes into the 18th chapter, she says, I'm going to get him. By this time tomorrow morning, he will be dead. It was, do you realize how important Jezebel was? We look at movies, they got movies named Jezebel, that, and they, they paint her up with paint and stuff like She was painted up when Jehu, the new king of northern Israel, God commissioned him, go kill that woman. It was 13 years after God killed Ahab for doing what he did. God put Ahab in the battle in that 22nd chapter of 1 Kings. God killed him. Had a man draw a bow at adventure. That was God's doing. This man drew this bow. Ahab didn't want to go into battle. The reason God killed Ahab and Jezebel was their wickedness.
God put Jehu and Ahab wanted to attack. Ahab wanted to attack the the king of Syria. And Israel was always at war with the Syrians. And that's this nation right here next door to what we call Lebanon. They were always at war with Syria. Ahab is king of northern Israel. He wants to attack northern Israel. So he goes to Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is such a wonderful man of God. How can you run around with a man like Ahab, godless man? But he did. Jehoshaphat had the word of God read throughout all of Israel. He was a godly man. And Ahab went to him and said, I want you to go with me to attack Ben-Hadad. Ben means son of Hadad. This is son of Hadad. And I want you to go attack him. He's the Syrian king that don't believe nothing. Well, neither did Ahab. So, Jehoshaphat down here in southern Judah says, uh, let's go to a prophet and find out what he says. And Ahab said, we can't go to prophets. They don't say anything good about me. (laughs) Well, I guess not. You're a murderer. You brought all this godlessness into Israel. (laughs) So he said, okay, we'll go to this man, Micaiah. Micaiah, he said, Micaiah, if I go in battle with Ben-Hadad, am I going to win? And Micaiah said, if you go into battle, Israel will not have a king when it's over. And he said, tell me the truth. He said, okay, go ahead and go into battle and you're going to be okay. Micaiah lied to him. And and, and uh, Ahab tells Jehoshaphat, I told you he didn't like me. He's not going to say good things about me. So he puts Micaiah on bread and water and puts him over in prison for telling him the truth. So Ahab says to the prophets of Baal, Can any of you, God says, which of you will be a lying spirit, speaking to the spirits of God, which of you will be a lying spirit in the mouth of one of these prophets of Baal? One steps forward and says, I'll be a lying spirit. So God has this man lie until Ahab is okay. But Ahab is really, he's really not trusting anybody at this time. So he goes to Jehoshaphat. Now this shows you what kind of a, easy touch Jehoshaphat is he tells Jehoshaphat let's trade outfits you take my clothes and I'll take yours that's a bad deal (laughs) so they change clothes and while they go into battle they catch the enemy the Syrians catch Jehoshaphat dressed in Ahab's clothes and they say You're not the one we want. And they walk away and leave him alone. And the Bible says a certain man drew a bow at a venture. 
You talk about calculus. Calculus is plotting curves. I can tell us all about that. He can teach that to us some other time. God actually performed the greatest calculus equation that's ever been performed. A man drew at a boat adventure, and I'll just give a hypothetical rendering of it. Let's say the man was drawing the bow with 44.2397 pounds of pull on it. He draws this board of venture. Venture means upright. Tomem, it means an upright bow. And he drew it and shot the arrow. And Ahab is running across the plain in his chariot. And his horse is going 15.96372 miles per hour. And as he's going, that man that drew the bow at the venture struck Ahab in the harness and he said I'm hit it's God that shot him that's what you get when you go after other gods and bring it into your life he'll kill that other man if he has to Ahab died there that day and Jeremiah said the dogs are going to lick your blood you've killed you have taken that land of Naboth and killed and murdered. Your wife has killed the prophets, brought in Baal and the grove into Israel, and all of this is about Christmas. And people say it don't matter. I've run out of time. I'll come back and take up here. We're going to talk about Jezebel getting her, getting her comeuppance 13 years later. She's gonna get she's gonna get her God's gonna get his revenge on her. He's gonna kill her with a man named Jehu. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. God help us to understand your word. Cause us to continue this work and open up many doors. Oh, we'll praise you for all things. Let us your elect. Supply all of our needs. Fight our battles in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it?
In February, the devil was born. Hey, come here. What you doing? Would you like some gum? Huh? You want some? Come over here and I'll give you some. Come here. Here you go. Here you go. What are you doing, Zacho? Hey, I'm so happy this How month's, you doing? month's almost over with. Huh? I'm so happy this month's almost over with. Oh, me too. I hate Christmas when it comes. Huh? No, I just... I get sick of it. Just sick. And people don't have any idea how disgusting it is. So I'm waiting for it to get over with. Yeah. How's your mother doing? Is she? She got a little cold about last week. So I said hello. I love you guys. I really do. I love you. Mary doing all right? I know she's probably. Well, she's not sleeping. She can't get any sleep. She's having a hard time because she can't sleep. Give me a hug, Jimmy Trump. Get away from me. How you doing? How are you doing, there, girl? I'm okay. I miss you. <laughs> yeah, Jim. The police pulled me over and gave me this coat. The police did. When I pulled over and gave you a coat? Yeah, I was riding that's to keep. That's keeping you warm? Uh, I figured it so they could shoot me later saying that I had a shotgun over there. No, they did pull me over and say, here, we got you something. Pretty nice of them. They're not that bad. These hitters look like the police are fine. Huh? These hitters look like the police are pretty good to me. Are they? Yeah. They, just, they don't want you camping out here anyway. They don't want you camping? No, they don't want you camping anywhere. You telling me camp anyway? Well, I'm not. I'm going to wait. I'm going to carry it on down there, but... Uh, they uh, last week that they uh, it wasn't before the Supreme Court that they they cannot stop people from camping. That no city can say you can't camp in their city. Really? A city out in Ohio or somewhere that said you can't camp in our city. Same law Hendersonville's got it. They're saying the vagrants cannot camp anywhere up here. Well, I got news for them. They don't exceed the. Thank you for your knowledge, Jim. Okay. 
Well, Love you. thank you all for listening because I think it's amazing, it amazing how wicked these people were, how wicked Jezebel was, and people don't even know that she's the cause of all the godlessness in the Old Testament. She's the cause of all the prophets. Did the eunuchs throw her off and the dogs eat her? Well, yeah, but we hadn't got to that yet. You're going to have to wait for next week or the following week till I get to that. What you doing, guy? How you getting along? Uh, I'm getting along for... Are you getting any longer? Um, I don't know. Taller? Is that longer? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I think y'all are getting longer. Aren't you? Yeah. I was trying to uh, play some uh, sports and stuff. Just, uh,